0: This is episode number 272. Did you choose the life you are living or was it chosen for you? With Scott Mason. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First, one being an invitation to our upcoming conversation this Friday, which is part of our weekly series called Survive to Thrive Live the Story You Create. What this is, is a series of conversations that take place every single Friday at 10.45am Central Time, hosted through LinkedIn Live and Facebook Live, where we explore the connection between one's inner narrative and the topics of appreciation, resilience, grief, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please consider joining us through either of the platforms, LinkedIn Live or Facebook Live, where you'll be able to ask questions and share your insights as it relates to each and every single one of the topics that we choose to explore. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life or has helped you see your world through a different lens, please consider supporting our work by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Mr. Mason.
1: I like lowheed
0: <laughs> The dramatic is we certainly, we do not disappoint when it comes to that. <laughs> hey, I just, I love spending this, this hour with you and Casey and everyone else that's able to be a part of it because I think there, there's something really special about the space that we create each and every single time, there's this space of complete exploration and discovery, and sometimes the unknown, not even sometimes, but probably a lot of the times. There's so many things that I realize I don't know about life when I walk away from these yeah. conversations. But so true. this one in particular really got me thinking as I was doing the write up and just thinking about the question itself Did you choose the life you are living, or was it chosen for you? The reason why I find it important is because, at least from my experience, and I don't know if you can relate to this, Scott, or anyone else that's listening right now, there were so many chapters of my life where I felt that I wasn't. I wasn't living the life on my own terms, and rather I was living the life based on someone else's should-be perspective, yeah. whether it was in different times when I was in school or in college and some of these other settings. And what I find interesting about this topic in particular is that, well, we'll get into the different questions, but how do you even know the difference between when you're living a life according to someone else's standards and when you are living the life of your own choosing mm-hmm. to begin with, That which is a topic I don't think is explored often. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll be curious to hear from you. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like you're at that point right now where you're living on your own terms or are there still elements that you are, living according to someone else's perspective, someone else's should be. And therefore I was chosen for you and not by you.
1: I feel personally that more than ever, I am living life on my own terms and in the way that I want to be living it, or at least in process of getting there. Mm-hmm. The way I have known historically that I wasn't living life per my own terms was a constant experience of one of two emotions. One, fear. Mm-hmm. Two, frustration. Fear, because I felt that there would be consequences that were negative that would be brought upon me if I were to do things the way that I felt were in accordance with my own vision. And frustration because I felt that my own vision were was being either thwarted or that I wasn't recognized for the potential that I had in the world and therefore not given opportunity to further self-express and, and just be Scott Mason in the universe the way I need to be. Now, am I ever going to, or are you, or in, is any human being ever going to fully live life on their own terms without any constraints I doubt it. Even a dictator of a global power can't truly do that. The dictator's life, for instance, is constrained by ceremony, by the needs of their constituents, by the people that they are ruling over who could have uh, dissent and who could start civil wars and those sorts of things. And once that sort of civil violence happens, then the dictator isn't living the way they want to. They're constrained by their need to stay in power. And the alliances or the actions or the strategies that they take in order to to maintain their power. And so to the extent even the most powerful autocrats in the world are not purely living in in and according to their own terms, to the extent that there are things in their lives that are chosen for them, Mm -hmm. I would say none of us purely living on our own terms. However, to the extent to which we have chosen the paths that we are on or that our existence is something that's chosen for us versus what we're choosing, I would agree that there are different levels. I mean, most autocrats aren't just, especially in the modern era, they don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden you're a dictator. They have achieved that through because these old monarchies have, have passed away by and large, right? They end up through political unrest or climbing up uh, the ladder of a one-party organization till they're the one at, to- at the top. So they have they have chosen the constraints that have been put upon them. They their life wasn't chosen to them. On the other hand, let's say you're raised in a very very poor economically deprived part of the world where there's not a lot of social mobility, Mm -hmm. you have limited choice. That doesn't mean you have no choice, but if you are born for instance, in a, uh, on the streets of a developing country and you're literally, and I would see this in India, but this is India is by no means alone in this respect. You would see people that young children whose lives are, spent picking through gigantic piles of trash for food and water. Can we really say they've chosen their situation in life if there's brain damage that happens or lack of, of mental growth that occurs because they didn't have an access to education? Did they really have choice? Particularly one thing that I think it's important to understand is that not everyone I believe, has equal ability to be able to navigate difficult circumstances. For instance, if you have brain damage as a child, it may be more difficult for you to navigate difficult circumstances than if you have full brain capacity and you have very strong social skills, for instance. You're going to be, it's just the different makeup that each of us have have, puts us uh, in on different playing fields from the day we're born.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you find that the, it, I find it fascinating that you mentioned this concept of different constraints that the society presents in front of us. Do you, How do you personally differentiate between what are the constraints that are quote unquote impeding you from whatever progress or the ability to express who you are and what are the constraints that are just there as something that you deal with for example every time i walk outside traffic moves one way or another i mean there's nothing i can do about it yes theoretically i can disrupt it but at the same time like i'm going to put myself in a very difficult position going against the traffic on the highway right Right. so that that's a constraint i'm not gonna I, i don't want to challenge but i get curious as far as what are the constraints that you personally have found in your life that you are willing to challenge or maybe wanting to challenge because they do limit your ability to express who you are and and limit the ability for you to live life as you wish to do. And what are the constraints that you just kind of accepted that, okay, traffic is this food is sold at this grocery store at this price. There's really no room Mm -hmm. to negotiate with the person who is bagging my groceries because they don't make that decision. And in fact, you probably don't see the person at the mm-hmm. grocery store who makes the decision mm-hmm. on pricing. So I find that to be fascinating, how there's this like universe there are universal constraints that are there that could be questioned, but at the same time, there's almost like no point. Mm-hmm. And then there are others that are I think are meant to be questioned
1: because they are used
0: as restraints.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of these constraints and what I choose to follow and not? Mm -hmm. some of it goes as to the larger social compact that we live in day in and day out that basically makes existence as a cohesive social unit possible. Now, an interesting thing that's happening in a number of different Western countries in particular is that the very nature of that social compact is not agreed upon Yeah, to the extent that it might have been in a different era. So, and some of this is based on divisions regarding socioeconomic class, and some of it is based on region. So I am in a listening partnership with a friend of mine that lives in a more rural area of the United States. And I live in the least rural part of the United States. And not only that, in, I live in the least rural area of the least rural city in the United States. <laughs> and so our the situations. is New York City. <laughs> exactly. And this person isn't living. She's not like living in some remote area of Montana or something like that. She is living in California. But re- relatively speaking, it is far and away less densely populated than in New York City, right in the heart of it. And as we talk sometimes, I find it very interesting because her perspective about the social compact And what we can agree to and what we don't agree to is very, very, in my opinion at least, influenced by the social constraints that we're around and what we're willing to accept. And Mm -hmm. this you see in other parts of discussions between rural America and and more cosmopolitan America. So the idea that, and and it plays out in odd manners. Mm -hmm. The idea, when I go home to Kansas where I grew up, I always have to remember that when I'm crossing the street on foot, I have to stop when the light says red or don't walk. And I have, and I walk when it says walk. Mm-hmm. In New York City, that's you ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. No one does that. You look both ways, make sure there's not a bicyclist or a scooter or a car coming, and then you cross or you don't. But if you're the one sitting there waiting for that red walk sign to turn green, you'll be. Knocked over simply by people walking over you, and so that is, and that that's a very that that's very much part of a social dynamic that comes in a large, densely populated area like New York City, where people are rushed and there are a zillion different obstacles in the way to wherever you want to go, and so pointless obstacles or obstacles that are perceived as pointless, the group coalesces around the idea that that's one to ignore and everyone does ignore it. It was humorous. Rudolf Giuliani, when he was the mayor of the city, attempted to, at one point, enforce these street-crossing signals, and even he gave that one up. It just wasn't going to happen. And when you go to places like Delhi or Saigon or these, these mega cities in other parts of the world, it's even more extreme, And so that, to me, is a a result of different expectations. Whereas in a rural uh, area or a less densely populated city, for whatever reason, these things are, maybe there are fewer obstacles generally. The pace Mm -hmm. of life is slower. All of these things lead to different outcomes about something as minor as crossing the street when the light is red. And that's an example of the social compact that we choose to ignore Mm-hmm. or not based on our existence within larger social units. Mm-hmm. Now, for personally, what and, and that we really don't have much choice about as so long as we choose to live in the areas that we live in. And there may be a number of different factors that make meaningful choice in that situation, viable or not. For instance, if you're an eight-year-old you can't just leave your house in Kansas and go to New York city. It's just mm-hmm. not realistic. So the idea that everyone always has a choice when you're eight years old and you're living in Kansas, no, you don't have a choice. You can't just up and move to London, let's say, mm-hmm. but if you are talking about interpersonal, the, the constraints that can come because of the situations in your life that you're in, if I choose to work for an employer and I always feel this way, I would tell people this, <clears throat> excuse me. If your employer has a dress code, when I worked for government, it was generally expected that if you were a male, you would wear a dress shirt with a collar, Mm -hmm. ideally a tie. At a certain level, you would wear either a jacket or you would have a jacket immediately available to go to meetings. And so you would be dressed in a suit. And you would wear certain types of shoes and you would wear long pants. If If you were a female, there were also ways that you would dress and you could cross one way or the other, but there were certain things that were off limits for everyone. And an example of that is wearing shorts. And so if you were wearing shorts, you might get spoken to about violating the dress code. And -hmm. there would be objections that people have. I don't like that. That doesn't work for me. Well, my feeling about that is you are accepting employment under the terms of the employer. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work for you, Get out. No Mm -hmm. one says you have to work here. If your services are so valuable and everyone is going to be craving them, no matter where you go, irrespective of how you present yourself, then value yourself enough to go somewhere and work where you are not where your dress code. And I'm not talking by the way about dress code constraints that are unreasonable or racist or things like that. I'm talking about things that are just stylistic choices. Mm -hmm. And so um, so that is a voluntary constraint. More subtly, leadership positions. Once I was a manager, no one forced me to take a promotion. I sought them. Mm-hmm. I could always say, no, I don't want that promotion. Keep, Please keep me at a lower pay. But once that happened, there were constraints that I had on my behavior, whether I liked them or not that was having accepting the interdependency between me as a leader and those that were in the staff. Did I like all of those constraints? And they were very real constraints. Of course not. Mm-hmm. But there are consequences with our choices. No one asked me, well, I was asked to be a leader, but no one forced me to say, yes, if I didn't like it, I could have hauled my you know what somewhere else. Do you
0: think living it's fascinating that you bring that up. Here's what it makes me think of. I th- I think that when it comes to some of these situations, such as being an employee or even an employer and being able to put in those positions where you have to make such decisions about someone's dress code or behavior or whatever it might be, I get curious about this concept of leadership. And that is, do you think based on your experience and once again, in your opinion, In order to live life on your own terms, do you think you have to have certain components of self-leadership developed in you to be able to actually make that something that is feasible, or is it something else that plays within that? Does that even make sense as a question?
1: It does. I think that it goes as to what your objectives are as a leader Mm -hmm. and what your definition of leadership is. As Matt Fay in our show last night was saying, no, as actually Richard Cook was saying a couple of weeks ago on our Just a Squirrel show, mm-hmm. there's a difference between, quote unquote, good art and bad art. Or maybe he wasn't saying that, but that came up. And uh, there is a qualitative difference between different types of art if you accept c- that certain criteria around, you know, that some artists quote unquote, better than others. And, and I think that he also made a case that that might not even be true. But similarly, leadership is are you do you want to be a good leader an effective leader or a bad leader now unlike art i think that there are objective ways to measure whether you are a good leader or not mm-hmm. do you deliver the results that your leadership is expected to produce is evidence to me as to whether you are a leader a good leader or not do you have a satisfied pool of people following you? Will people follow you voluntarily? Or are they following you because they're it's compulsory? Mm-hmm. Do you have actual credibility and stature? Will people listen to you on your own will? Or will they say, will they only listen because you say, I'm the blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I had a boss once when I left who forbade the staff to give me a goodbye party because she was mad that I quit. And the I heard later that people said, you, we have to have a party for him. It, people want a party for him. They're going to miss him. And you don't just, someone, someone leaves, you don't just punitively <laughs> say, we're not going to throw him a goodbye party. Wow. And she said, I am the leader XYZ. You do what I say. That to me is someone who was actually not a good leader because she recognized on some level that her, they weren't paying attention to her based on their own innate desire to follow. And so she had to resort to saying, this is my position. Yeah. By the way, I had that goodbye party and it was packed and it was awesome. And I got some great gifts and, and, <laughs> and a lot of love. But, um, you know, I, all of that is to say that there are a number of different ways that we can measure leadership and i am willing to accept certain constraints in order to be effective as a leader i mean what are your thoughts about all of this yourself oh like you're asking me all these questions but sitting there <laughs> like a silent oracle in the background and 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 and, and, and what is that just you letting me choose my life but what about your life and and your voice that needs to be chosen
0: well, I'm not choosing to impose upon your insights in order for not, for me not to choose my life or for me to not choose your life. But what I find interesting, so when it comes to leadership and this particular topic at hand, I think for me, what I have found is that there's a tremendous amount of accountability that I had to develop in my own sense to really understand what does it mean to live on my own terms? And how do I still maintain some of these other things that are surrounding me that, that may never change? The examples we brought up, the traffic goes this way or that way. W- why would I try and change it? And I feel like no matter how hard I try, I probably will not change it. I might stop it for a brief moment with an accident or whatever it is, but like it, there's, no, there's no way to actually break that traffic pattern yeah. from going one way or the other and ha- have it be reversed. I think the same thing that I found to be true when it comes to people's opinions, I think people's opinions at times have contributed towards me living a life according to their way of thinking and their way of viewing the world. And what I have found oftentimes is, at least at this particular point in my life, I will ask for an opinion But at the same time, I try to remind myself that when I receive that opinion, it is solely an opinion. It's not necessarily the way. It's just a way. In fact, it's one of many ways that anything can be viewed. And that to me has been a huge skill that I think I developed over time. And what I try and do is I really try and understand that everyone's opinion has the same weight.
1: Does it really? And how do you know whose opinion to follow? Especially if you're hearing a lot of them and they vary.
0: Well, I I think intuitively speaking, there is something that I'm able to sense. Maybe this is my intuition. Maybe it's my heart. Maybe some other language that's trying to voice itself internally. But when I hear a variety of opinions, there's something within me that develops that just guides me towards the thing that I end up acting upon. Whether or not that thing is going to be right 100% of the time, I don't think there's any way of knowing that. I think there's still – there's a chance with every choice. There's a risk with every choice. So whenever I choose to make a decision based, let's say, on the opinions of 10 people as well as my own, my own opinion, I I remember previously because of the bias, I would lead into it more. <laughs> But over time, I realized that there are so many things that I don't know. I don't know how many of the things work. Therefore, it was a value for me to consider all these other things. But going back to your question, how do you know who to listen to? I don't know. I I, I don't know. I think there is. I think there is uh, a combination that of wisdom, intuition, the heart that plays a role that allows me to understand. Okay. I'm going to take this element from this person, this element from that person, or no elements from any of the people and and stay firm in my original thought because that's what um, I wanted to create, which goes back to the exact exact theme, living life on your own terms. I don't think it means kind of my way or the highway, but I think it's more so how I choose to approach it is I, I will process all the information around me and then make the best possible decision. But like, I still have to make that decision. You can't make that for me because if you do and let's say that decision doesn't work out, then I might run into regrets. And then that might change the relationship between myself and whoever. I think it's only – I think that's a natural process of what it means to be human,
1: at least in my opinion. I've got to ask you this, like yeah. On a super cosmic level. Yeah. Bigger than my voice, even when I scream. <laughs> you were born as an, or you were born in Russia in yes. very difficult life circumstances. And those that they want to find out more about that should listen to me. Min- one of the many podcast interviews that you've given. Mm-hmm. And you then ended up in an orphanage. Mm-hmm. And then you ended up adopted here in the United States. None of this is secret classified mm-hmm. information. And Looking back, and this all happened when you were a minor before you really were at an age where you had where you were fully mentally developed or where you had full legal rights at all. Do you believe, thinking really big here Mm -hmm. beyond just jobs or traffic, that you were given the life? that you had, that you were chosen by something or someone to live that life, or do you think that on some level, even at that young stage, or maybe at an even more, uh, at a more metaphysical level, you chose that set of circumstances for yourself? Tell me that, because that's what I want to know. <laughs> It's a really good
0: question. So I think for me, the first couple years after my birth, I don't believe I was the one that chose those circumstances. I think those circumstances were chosen for me by the people who were taking care of me. Later on, as you mentioned, the nine-year-old phase, that was a conscious choice that I made because I was able to somehow see a better future due to that choice. So I think there's a combination of both. I think that it's not one or the other. I think it's an and. I think that there's certain circumstances that are chosen for you due to your, let's say, inability to choose. When I'm born, I, I don't think I can choose. I can't speak. I can't process the world. So how can you make a choice? Now, over time, when I'm able to create whatever, some form of language, some sort of experience and understanding of the world. That's when I think I'm able to make the make a choice. So I think in my case, the first circumstances, the very early ones were chosen for me. Later on, I was able to choose them myself. And then the third stage, I would say, is I chose to act upon the two and in a way chose the journey that I'm living today. Mm -hmm. Now, I could have gone another way. I didn't have to do that. I think it's something that actually you and I spoke about, however long ago. I think that there are multiple layers to purpose. I do believe that everyone has a purpose, not necessarily a grand purpose, but everyone mm-hmm. serves a purpose mm-hmm. there's a serve there's a purpose for why you and I are connecting there's a pers- there's a purpose for Why I bump into a person on the street who just happens to save me from getting hit by a car, whatever it is, right? So I think there's that purpose. And then I think the second component of purpose is an actualized purpose. And that's what I think you were hinting towards, and that is choosing the path due to the circumstances that I went through. So I chose this path. I chose this sense of purpose because in choosing a purpose, it gave me a sense of control. Of my existence it gave me a sense of of living of living on my own terms and it gave me comfort it gave me security
1: what i don't understand is why some people Mm -hmm. are able to make and take those choices and others don't so let's say there is let's say you had a twin brother yeah name uleg which is possible Which is possible. (laughs) And we'll find out his story, and I'm sure it will have power. (laughs) But let's say Oleg lived with you. And you and he had the exact same circumstances, or as close as possible to the exact same circumstances. And because you're twins, and I mean identical twins, you have more or less the same genetics. So we'll throw out as many variables as we can have. Mm -hmm. But you chose to take a certain path. In your initial familial situation once you were nine, and Uleg said, uh yeah, no, and stayed in his life circumstance. Why would it have been that you made that choice and Uleg would have made another? And I say that to remove all these variables, but because it also raises a question: well, all of us have multiple choices in our lives, but the why that I never get half the time, especially once you dig three or four levels of questioning, why this, why this, why this, is still why some of us make this choice and others, or make these choices and others don't.
0: Well, I think there are multiple factors that contribute towards that. I think the first thing that it makes me think of is there's a difference between being willing to make a choice and being able to make a choice. I think willing is the desire that comes from within. I want to do this. I want to pursue that. Able to me is more so related with resources. Do I have the proper resources to support the choice that I'm bound to make? If I want to learn how to drive a car, I want to learn how to drive a car. But in order for that to happen, I need to have a car. I need to have a car that has gas. In order to get the gas, I need to have a source of income to purchase that gas. So that's where I think that's my understanding of it as far as some why are able to do it and others aren't is maybe those who are not able to do it, they don't have the proper resources in order to make that decision. But you were totally poor. You were
1: totally poor living in this industrialized, brutalist Mm -hmm. apartment place in a family that was, you know, I don't want to give away all of the the details because people need to hear that for themselves. Mm -hmm. But it's not like you were living in a resource-rich environment. This drove me nuts. Oh, go ahead.
0: Here's how I'll answer that. How I was able to bypass the physical resources that were needed is I just created them in my mind using my imagination. I created the possibility that going into this particular place, now, whether or not it was the best orphanage or not, I have no idea. It was just one that was readily available. I went into it thinking that if I go into this, there's a possibility for me To experience a different life. Mm -hmm. Did I envision this as the possibility, the adoption and everything afterwards? Absolutely not. Couldn't even conceive of that. But I just continue to believe that somehow along the way, something is going to change my trajectory. So for me, what I chose to do is instead of waiting for the physical resources to appear, I manifested them in my mind and made myself believe that I already have access to them before I was able to tangibly hold them.
1: Do you believe in luck? I think
0: that's a, it's a great question. We I actually remember the conversation we had on just a squirrel mm-hmm. about this. So I think that luck is a tricky topic because I do believe that there are certain things that happen outside of my control. There's a certain element of randomness. But I also strongly believe in being able to create opportunity for oneself. The only reason why I believe that is because I've been able to do it. That's how I've made it to this particular point in my life, is to consciously put myself in situations where certain things may or may not happen. But then there's also this thing that I don't think it's possible to understand, in my opinion. And that's that that larger force that you were talking about, the larger picture that's guiding or whatever it is that I don't, I don't know. Is that part of luck? Is that completely separate? How,
1: do, how, yeah, does because it, it got, I mean, and that's sort of circling back to the under, again, the why beneath the, the luck question, which we did, by the way, have a great conversation about that. And it's something I feel like we can never delve into quite deeply enough. Mm-hmm. But the reason why I asked that is because you made choices and you and things happened in a a certain way, right? You said, I could never have conceived that this is where I would end up. Mm -hmm. But for you to have ended up in this place, you still, the choices that you have to have had, had to have opened doors to potential opportunities that others who made similar choices might not have had or might not have been able to exploit. And so to me, that ultimately pulls back to whether this is something that was chosen for you, whether you were given the choice. hmm because of that opportunity that you yourself Make it admitted. it like it was my choice, yeah. Yeah, made it seem like it was a choice, or gave you the opportunity to have that choice in the first place. For instance, I can't choose to go to ancient Persia, because ancient Persia doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have unlimited choices. I can only choose to go to places that exist. I can only choose to follow paths that that actually exists some were right for all we know the other orphans in the orphanage that you were in and we know for instance that there was a selection process for mm-hmm. the group that you were in that ultimately led you to end up being adopted
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that itself is a fascinating story that again people need to hear about and we'll hear about more in the future and i can't wait for that all to be shared mm-hmm. but you In order to walk down the yellow brick road, as opposed to that gravel back, you know, that gravel nasty thing that's leading to the shack, the yellow brick road has to be there.
0: Yeah. Or there has to be at least a vision or a possibility of it. Yeah. The the thing that you mentioned in regard to the choices. So it's hard for me to understand whether or not making a choice is easy or hard. I think it's a matter of perspective. And I think it's a matter of the circumstances that the person might be in. For me, why I feel like I'm living life on my own terms right now is because I consciously wake up and I ask myself the question of what would I like to experience today? And then from that point on, I start to build upon that. I want to add value to people that I appreciate. So I'll send people a text. I'll I'll give them a call. I'll send them an email. I'll do some sort of communication. That's a conscious choice that I make. I believe, I can't say all of us have access to that choice because not every one of us has access to technology, even at this point of Mm -hmm. where the world is. But do we have the ability to make that choice and present that in another form? I believe so. I believe as long as there's some form of contact, that choice could be made in regard to the communication. The thing that I find interesting, going back to your question of why, some were able to, quote unquote, build their own life and others ended up living the life according to what someone else chose for them, yeah, Oleg. is I, I, think, um, I think there's a tremendous amount of patience that is involved within that. When I first became aware of the fact that I could make choices, I understood through experience that I had to be patient within that process because some of the choices don't manifest immediately. Some choices make take years to develop into what I envision them to be. So there's a great sense of belief that I carry within me internally. There is definitely a lot of perseverance that goes with me from one step to another, which those, along with hundreds of other uh, factors, courage, confidence, and many others that contribute towards this, that I think play a role in why some are able to Live a life that they envision and others aren't. And for some people, I think what I've also learned, having had conversation with them, is that it's it's a harder question to answer. Because what does it actually what does that really mean to live life on your own terms? Sometimes it takes
1: years to articulate that answer. Maybe it means living a life in which the constraints that you're surrounded in are acceptable to you Yeah, or minimized one one or the other.
0: Yeah. And I think the other part about that, maybe the other thing that I was thinking is in regard to living life on your own terms, maybe it's finding that sense of peace, that comfort. I mean, uh, Michael Singer talks about this and, the, one of the books that you and I read, the Surrender Experiment, and that's he says this very profound quote, which I think directly relates to this topic, and that is when he was talking about the concept of life has its own way. He said, "Life has its life has its own way, so make it your way."
1: Hmm.
0: That yeah. within that sentence, it implies that you can yeah. make a choice. Yeah. You can make a choice to look at the circumstances that are happening around you as things that are impeding your progress or accelerating your progress. You can look at the rain that is, quote unquote, preventing you from getting to a meeting on time as something that is working against you or for you. Maybe you were meant to slow down to avoid some sort of, maybe you were meant to slow down to avoid an accident. How do you know? How do you know that if you would have left five seconds earlier or on time, you wouldn't have been in an accident of some sorts? Yeah or had to overcome some sort of obstacle that could possibly change your trajectory forever. Yeah, You hear stories like that all the time. Yeah, You hear stories of people failing a test or, or failing whatever it is. And if it wasn't due to that moment, they would have been in a completely different set of shoes. Yeah. So that to me, I think is, is a fascinating topic because does everyone have a choice? I don't know. Does everyone have the ability? Maybe ability to dream that another choice is possible. Maybe can't you fan- is is imagination available to everyone?
1: No, I don't believe in equal proportions. Mm-hmm. I, I I say that with extreme humility. Mm-hmm. I'm very aware of the limits of my own imagination. I see it in others, and I'm blown away by the things that their minds come up with that mine. Could never begin to conceive of, and so I'm, and I say that with a sense of comfort and acceptance about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Just as when I was in law school, I quickly figured out after talking to some of those people, I'll never be on the Supreme Court. They might be, not me.
0: Well, you we have all have our Court limitations, right? Now. What'd you say? You have a Supreme Court of your own right now through Purpose Highway and all these other.
1: Oh, thank you. We of. all have a choice about how <laughs> we view the world. Well, and some of them would never have a show called Purpose Highway and and do that. Yeah. They they yeah. Uh, you know, I get told by lawyers all the time. I can't imagine being anything but a lawyer. You done other things a zillion things left and right so maybe there is imagination that i have that i don't but it also or that they don't but it also goes again as to whether our gifts are all given in equal proportion and to the extent to which our gifts are given an equal proportion or not then that also limits our choice because we cannot make a choice to do something with resources that we don't even have like you've mentioned yeah. earlier
0: yeah You know, the other thing that it makes me think of is when I think about your own story that you just shared about law school and the experiences that you've had, two things. First is I think imagination – there's probably a connection between imagination and lived experience. Mm -hmm. And that is I think in in my opinion, lived experience impacts imagination and your Mm -hmm. ability to imagine. So if you haven't seen the world or possible other worlds, how can you ever imagine that as a form of reality – And then the other part that I think about is in regard to living life according to your own terms, one of the other things that made it difficult for me is because when I was first beginning to do that, I didn't see enough honest perspectives. I didn't see enough honest perspectives of people doing it. And what I mean by that is not the once a week post saying this is what happened and then life somehow turned around and life is great but more so the reality of the entire journey. Yeah. What happens when you go through the whole day and there isn't a bright spot? Yeah. It's just a challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. Yeah. And then it's not until the following day or the following week that you can see the rainbow at the end of the storm. So that I find also interesting, is, especially in the spaces that you and I are in and so many others, is the ability to honestly share the perspective and say, hey, this is the day and this is what happened today and this is how I lived through it. Yeah. And I don't necessarily see
1: the lesson just yet. Yeah. And look, that happens all the time. There are struggles that I go through every day. Mm -hmm. You and I share them off camera. Yeah. And we talk about them. And of course, do we, sometimes we do bring those struggles onto camera. Other times we don't, they may not be relevant or they may not be things that we're psychologically ready to, to share yet, but those are Things that down the road, as you just said, I may be experiencing or feeling depressed about or feeling down or feeling hopeless. And it, it won't be until much longer down the road when I understand the real value of that experience or what I could do. Sometimes yeah. we might even be making choices about our lives and not even really appreciating that we made those choices. So for instance, being really candid with you, and I won't get into a lot of detail about it here, but there was a time, I would say probably about a month ago where I was facing some personal challenges. I remember talking to you about it Mm -hmm. and they were things that are, that I, I couldn't see out of. And I have to acknowledge I was still making a choice every day because I was continuing to persist in, and this persistence, by the way, I think is a good thing, but I was continuing to persist in moving forward with my life and with the choices that I was committed to despite what i was feeling inside mm-hmm. which could have led me to just give up or to say okay let me just let me just quit everything and go in a different direction with regards to this area of my life and which so, is a so, real desire sometimes depending on the, on the challenge
0: that's the other how thing hopeless you feel absolutely it gets discussed it's like there are there are situations where those thoughts become more real than anything else. Yeah.
1: And there's there's times when quitting something also makes sense. Yeah. Right. I mean, leaving government for me, someone did come up to me when I announced that I was leaving government permanently. He stepped into my office and with a good heart. Don't give up, Scott. Don't give up. You really have too much to offer. Don't give up. You are just quit it. And I was like, after nearly 20 years, mm-hmm. I'd given it more than a good try. Yeah. Right. After a while, it made sense to just hang that up. hang that hanger up. Mm-hmm. And I did. And so yes, was I giving up on a future in government? Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank God. But um, but but one might view that negatively too. One might say, "Well, that's really you making a choice that was reflecting hopelessness, that was reflecting fear, that was reflecting negativity, all these other sorts of things which we're not so su- supposed to feel, mm-hmm. or we're su- we're not supposed to act on."
0: Mm-hmm. How do you feel the stories that or the people that you've had conversations with on Purpose Highway impacted your own? life, and your ability to live life on your own terms?
1: The biggest of all has been what I consider the true gift of being a podcast host, Mm -hmm. if one chooses to approach podcasting this way, which not everyone does. And that is the gift of practicing listening skills. I have learned so much from my guests merely by listening to them. This week's international news, for instance, around Afghanistan would not have ever impacted me with the passion and the depth of feeling that it has had I not listened to the story of a guest Who actively, who actually lived in Afghanistan during the first time that the Taliban were in power. So Mm -hmm. it's the gift of listening. And one of the things about uh, being a podcast listener or viewer is that you also are in a position to have to listen to the thoughts of others. And when you listen, your mind expands if you let it. And then the sheer number of choices that you have in your life, the ability to move your life from being one in which you have no agency to one in which you are making choices, boom, it truly expands.
0: What is the challenge that you personally experience when it comes to active listening?
1: If someone says something that I have extreme disagreement with. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it, I will say there are boundaries. Mm-hmm. If, for instance, the person the disagreement is around a fundamental human right, that's not something I have a challenge with. If they're basically saying such and such group, for instance, doesn't have a right to exist, or they start using racial slurs or something like that, which has never happened on my show, thank goodness. That is not problematic for me. They're cut out of my life. Mm-hmm. But if they are if they're having a, a religious view, a sociological view, a cultural viewpoint, a, an intellectual viewpoint that is different than mine, and if it's backed up by something other than just a flight you know of the of the fa- a flight of fancy then that's a that's a real challenge when it comes to active listening i'm confronted i'm confronted as to what we talked about earlier which is my own lack of imagination mm mm-hmm. for
0: me i think it's been similar i i i think when it comes to certain moments where people are put down or certain groups are marginalized even more or newer groups are marginalized so i i just find that interesting how it's um it is a skill that I believe gets developed over time, and if anything else, it's something that I really have to practice on yes. a daily, moment-by-moment moment basis, because there are times where I find myself, where I want to listen to respond, when really the thing that I should should be doing is listening to understand. We just got a vehement
1: statement of agreement. We did.
0: Welcome Out back, Kenny. of all the Kenny. people, it is Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad to see Kenny and everyone else and really grateful for this conversation, Scott. I am I, too. I oh There's a lot that I was able to pick up on and, and learn from and everything that we talked about as far as uh, maybe not even the initial question being, did you choose the life you are living or was it chosen for you? But also exploring the and component, the yeah. times where it is, where maybe it has to be chosen for you. Yeah. As a toddler, maybe you you don't have the ability to make a choice to begin with.
1: So I find that to be fascinating as well. As does the choices some people make like Kenny and now Jessica mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. join us in the conversation. Yeah. Oh, like I've got to throw back at you. You're asking me all my business where people <laughs> can find me. What I, well, don't you have some things that you do that we should I, know about?
0: I do the couple of things, and I'll mention them again. the The two places where people can find any of the podcast episodes that we have will be through Overcoming Odds, and that is simply at our website, OvercomingOdds.today. The other one is called The Power of Your Story, which you can find through YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and one other thing that I'll mention while Jessica is on here with us is the event that I mentioned at the beginning, called a musical evening of giving. On December 4th I believe so for anyone that's tuning in right now and you want to learn more about the different artists that will be a part of it as well as the support that our organization as well as another one will receive from it feel free to go to that website at the bottom and we'll make sure to include it in the comments as well but really just want to thank you Scott want to thank Jessica, Kenny for being a part of it because In my opinion, we're limited to our experience. We are. Our imagination is limited to that experience. But having other people in this circle, it creates
1: the possibility of our lived experience to be expanded. Exactly. And And hearing that, I've got to quote Jessica and the Pointer Sisters. I am so excited.
0: Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we look forward to having you next time.